This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Full, uninterrupted, two hours and 30 minutes of sports extravaganza right here on 98.7. We've got Harvey, we've got Julian, we're keeping your company right up until 9 o'clock, and then we got the dynamic duo of Gordon and Larry. We didn't have a lot of time last night for our overreaction Monday. You know, we could call this an overreaction Tuesday if you want. we got a lot of things to get to, a lot of football, a lot of baseball, some hoops, Everything underneath the sun. You could also get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Hope everybody's having a good one out there. And, you know, I want to start with the football here because, as I said, we didn't get into it a lot last night. There's still some meat left on that bone, naturally. And you got these two teams right now in our city where the Giants are effectively playing out the string for the remainder of the season. Things are bleak. Things are bad. Especially the way things went in Dallas over the weekend. I mean, that's just... It's non-competitive is the best way that you could put it. And they still got to play out the remainder of their schedule. Probably not going to win too many of them. But if you're a Giant fan, I don't think you worry too much about that right now, all things considered. Jets, on the other hand, certainly the expectations were higher. Even after Aaron Rodgers goes down four plays into the season, they've won some games along the way that you probably didn't think that they would be able to win. They've managed to hang around. They get into the bye week at 3-3. Three and three. You're thinking, all right, they survived the gauntlet of the first six weeks of their schedule. Now you look after the bye, and these games are certainly a little bit more accommodating for you, right? You got the Giants coming up. You got the Chargers. You got the Raiders. You can win all three of those games. Games aren't playing on paper, but yet you can still realistically pocket three Ws right there. And then, dare I say, you'd be six and three. You'd be off and running. And then you hold out that glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, the quarterback returns later in the season. But a funny thing happened along the way. They barely beat the Giants. They probably got as fortunate a gift as a team could possibly receive in winning a football game, but they won it, right? And then you would think, all right, we were playing with fire the week before. We've got to come out with a much better effort the following week on Monday Night Football against the Chargers. What happened? We saw it. Sloppy with the football, turnovers on offense, can't score a touchdown, still asking too much from your defense. You lose a lopsided game, even though you probably played pretty darn well in keeping that offense at bay. All right, now you go out to play the Raiders. Winnable game again. They have a little bit pep in their step because they fired their coach. They fired their GM. They got a new play caller. They got a new quarterback. But still, it's a game that if you go out there and play as well as you can, you should win. And we know what happens. Same thing. Offense can't score a touchdown. And here we are. They're four and five. So when they got back from Vegas, Robert Sala, he's meeting the media yesterday. And he was asked about, well, Time is slipping away here. You only have, what, eight more games left in the season. You're under 500. Other teams are passing you by. What can you do to jumpstart the team, like making some changes? Nothing with the quarterback, nothing with the play caller. You know, we're just looking at things with regards to schematically, the things that we can do differently, trying to continue to find ways to feature more of the things that our guys are comfortable with. Obviously, game plan permitted. As far as meetings go, meeting structure, practice habits or uh, practice plans and all that, just we're looking at everything, guys. As far as personnel changes, we're looking at some things, uh, some different personnel changes, which I'm going to keep here with me, but we're looking across the board to see if we can find a way to generate some offense. Well, yesterday he was keeping the personnel changes with him. But today we find out that there were indeed personnel changes because the team released Michael Carter, the running back, Michael Carter. And look, I like MC a lot as a dude, real good guy. Uh, Been here three years, part of that 2021 draft class. Had a very good rookie season. Last year, took a step back a little bit, right? Brees Hall arrives. He's relegated to kind of that, like, change of pace back. Then Brees Hall gets hurt. And it was an opportunity for Mike to maybe seize the reins a little bit and become that lead ball carrier. Didn't quite take advantage of the opportunity. Team went out there and traded even for James Robinson, but that didn't work out. And then you had Bam Knight who came aboard, and then he started to get a lot of carries down the stretch. And then this year, you go out and you sign Dalvin Cook, so Michael Carter's buried on the depth chart even further now in year number three. And, you know, he was used sparingly. They used him as that third down change of pace back a little bit, but... Really didn't make too, too much of an impact. And then he had that costly block the other night, uh, or the penalty on the uh, the chop block there against the Raiders on Sunday. And the team decided to move on. I, I don't know if there was anything behind the scenes. I don't know if there was anything behind it. I know that he was really liked in that locker room. One of the, you know, funnier dudes in the room. 
So I don't know if this was the coach and the organization trying to set an example, getting rid of a guy who was respected in the room, maybe keep other people on notice saying, hey, you don't produce, you're not doing your job, this is the end result and this is what happens. Might be the case. You never know. You know, I'm sure these are questions that are going to be asked to Robert Sala tomorrow when he meets the media. But on the short term, as you're getting ready now for your next game, going up to Buffalo, and they got their own drama that they're dealing with, does this mean Izzy Abanaconda, the rookie, finally gets to dress on game day? Because he's been a healthy scratch practically all season. This is a guy who's got a little explosiveness, some home run ability. We saw it in spurts during the preseason, but they drafted this guy for a reason. Right? He was supposed to add an element to this offense. Well, he hasn't had an opportunity to. So now if you get rid of a running back, you're going to have to have somebody brought up on game day. Maybe this is Izzy's chance. We'll see. And I know a lot of people are calling for that to happen. But nevertheless, it's not just about one guy. Right? When you're in the rut that this team is in offensively, it's not just about releasing one person that's going to cure everything. It's not. It shouldn't be that way. Because if it was that easy, they would have done this weeks ago. But they need to figure out, bottom line, how to get this offense going. And I know it's a team game. And every facet of your football team should bear some sort of responsibility. I get that. But it's tough to look at the defense and the way they've played pretty consistently all season long and say to them, you know what, you guys need to step it up a bit. You know, when you guys go out there and you force turnovers, you need to actually take the ball and literally run it into the end zone and score some points. Because that's the only way we could get on the scoreboard. Oh, that and Greg Zerline kicking field goals. Right? That's the secret sauce to the Jets scoring in the NFL. And that shouldn't be the case. It's 2023. This is an NFL where the rules are supposed to be geared towards offense. Right? Supposed to be more wide open. The quarterback is somebody that you're not even allowed to look at or else it's 15 yards. But yet this team, for some reason, just can't quite figure it out yet. I mean, 11 quarters without a touchdown is... It's almost laughable, to be quite honest with you. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season that any team would go 11 quarters without a touchdown in the NFL, you probably would have thought that there's no way that could be true. Not in this day and age, no way, no how. Saturdays, you could say that. You know, maybe in college, where teams are a little bit more disproportionate from one another, playing field isn't exactly level, but not in the NFL. It shouldn't be like this. I mean, you've got teams who are literally picking dudes up off the street, throwing them out there on the field, and they're producing. And they're getting their team in the end zone. And they're scoring points. And hell, even winning games. So what is it? I don't think the excuse could be just about, oh, Aaron Rodgers isn't here. That's why the offense doesn't work. That's not fair. You know, we're way past that point. There's good enough players on this team, on that side of the ball, to where the struggles should not be to the extent that they are right now. And look, you can decide yourself if you think that this team is still alive and they have a realistic chance and they can go out there and still make something of this season at 4-5. and The advantage they have going for them is, is that in their own division right now, who really scares you, right? Buffalo is a mess. The Patriots... Who knows where they are right now? They're certainly not a factor in 2023. And then you got the Dolphins, who are 6-0 and against the JV, but when they've had to play the varsity this year, they're 0-3. And they got some tough games still on their schedule, including two with the Jets, by the way, if you want to refer to what is taking care of your own business, which they have a chance to do. So my point is, is that everything is still right there in front of you. You're two games out of first place with two games left still against that team. A lot can happen, but nothing is going to matter if you can't fix this offense. You know, it's gotten to the point where the quarterback the other night played an okay game, right? We got into it a little bit yesterday. Zach Wilson was okay on Sunday. He was not the main culprit why they lost to the Raiders. I know he's the quarterback and he's got the ball in his hands every single play. I get all those things. But it's gotten to the point now where you're saying, boy, he only made the one mistake with that interception late in the game. But there were other points in that game where you could have still went out there and added to your lead instead of just kicking field goals. They should have broken that game open in the first half. 
They had an opportunity in those first two quarters to essentially put that game away where the Raiders didn't, shouldn't even have came out of the locker room for the second half. But they didn't do it because they can't sustain drives. They can't convert third downs. When they get into the red zone, it's almost like they forget how to play football and forget how to play offense. And somebody's either dropping a pass, committing a penalty, doing things they're not supposed to do, and that's not the way you win football games. Not in this league. You know, there's very few dominant teams. I don't even know if there is a dominant team in this league. Let's be real. Team that's got the best record, the Jets beat already. There's no Goliath in the NFL anymore. The majority of the sport is all geared towards the middle, which means on any given Sunday, you should be able to go toe-to-toe with them. Right? You should be able to win any game you step out on the field on Sunday. I mean, look at what happened just this past week with some of these upsets and some of these results. But you can't do that if you don't score points, and that's what they got to get fixed. Firing the play caller, firing. You're nine games into the season already. You're past that point. And realistically, nothing is happening to those guys. You still got Aaron Rodgers part of this organization, and he's going to be a part of this thing next year. You really think that they're making sweeping changes? Of course they're not. They're not doing anything because all these guys are here because he said essentially that, hey, I like working with these guys. So when you're sitting there saying, well, who's going to take the fall for this? Who are they going to make an example out of? I don't think Michael Carter was the one you had on your bingo card as being the answer to that question. And is going to be the person to light a fire under that whole locker room. Don't think it's happening. Because if you really want to get down to it, some other guys on this team, too, that I'm not saying that they should be released. But maybe they shouldn't be playing as much as they are right now either if it is a meritocracy and if you are going to go out there and supposedly have to earn your playing time. You know, if the coach and the staff are going to be true to their words, I'm sure that over the last couple of days they've been looking at this thing pretty hard, and when they hit the practice field tomorrow to get ready for the Buffalo Bills, you are going to see some guys with reduced reps. Otherwise, what are you doing? 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll get some phone calls up here. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers, who went on the McAfee show again today and tried to clarify all this stuff about what his potential return date could be for this season, which, again, you want to talk about a return date, that's fine. What's the team's record going to be? Hmm? Are they still going to be in the mix? Are they still going to be in contention? That's funny. Like, can we not talk about return dates And him playing again if this team can't score touchdowns? A touchdown? Forget about touchdowns, plural. Let's start with one. Because you got to win games. There's no sense in this guy coming back if you're 4-9. and The season's over. Why jeopardize 2024? We'll hear from him. We'll hear from Garrett Wilson, who had his weekly spot with Barton Hahn this week. We'll get into the baseball. Mets unveiled their new manager today. Good luck to Carlos Mendoza. Hear what he had to say. Something's up with Brian Cashman, obviously, right? We got a taste of it last week of the GM meetings, and then now he's taking on Giancarlo Stanton. I kind of like it, by the way, but we're going to examine. You know, we're going to do a little detective work here. We're going to do the autopsy. Like, what is the end strategy for Brian Cashman? Because I'm fascinated by this whole thing. I really am. Plus, what about somebody who used to be tight with the Knicks organization, what he has to say about their potential wait for a championship and how much longer that could be oh oh, that's right we got a lot to do over the next couple of hours full full grasa tonight full grasa i know it doesn't happen that often anymore but you know what it's happening tonight we're with it till nine o'clock 800-919-3776-9870 espn this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'll tell you, it was a hell of a lot easier getting into the city tonight as opposed to a couple of days ago when we came in for the Jet game on Sunday night for the, uh, the Raider game. I mean, what a disaster it was getting in. Barely made it in on time because of the traffic. Tonight, no problem. Smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. That's what we like to see. Not no, not exactly. Although I did, I got to be honest. Did I tell you about this, Harvey? I think I'm going to be getting a um, letter in the mail probably sometime over the next few days. Uh oh. Yeah. What'd you do now? What do you mean now? When you when when you say what did I do now, that means like you're implying it's a repeated pattern of behavior that I'm I'm subjecting myself to. I say that a lot to everybody, but we're going to hear right now if it's just like a regular occurrence for you. No, it's not because, what? well, like I said, I was running late on Sunday, so I'm darting all the way up 10th Avenue, trying to make it on time. Hellacious traffic. And you know when you're in the school zones and they have like those cameras and those, um, the meter or the, uh, you know, the, the, the you can't go speeding past the uh, cameras. Or That's right. Well... By the letter of the law, I guess I was speeding because it was like a 25 zone. So right. I, may, I may have been going like 35, if that. That's tough. And so like as I passed it, I like caught out of the corner of my eye. I saw like the lights flashing. So I, they probably like got a picture of me. So I'm probably getting like a ticket in the mail. And if you didn't, this will now be used as evidence against you now. <laughs> Way to incriminate yourself, man. You know what? I'll take responsibility. I'll take responsibility. Did you ever think, like, hey, I'm, I'm already going 35. You know what? Let's go 36. 37. No, I didn't know what I was doing. It was called I was looking at the clock to make sure that I got here on time because we had a big broadcast, you know, and the traffic was bad. I wasn't expecting to be that bad on a Sunday night, but it was. You know, you think everybody's home, everybody's done with their weekend, everybody's going to be getting ready for, you know, the work week, but no. Everybody decided to go into the city same time I did, so. I paid the price, and we shall see. Uh, before we get back to the calls, though, yeah, and by the way, Harv, I know you're you're really very, very, very concerned. I'll let you know if I do get the uh, literature in the mail. I'll let you know. Um, Aaron Rodgers was on McAfee earlier today, and as far as what his future looks like, and maybe when he's going to be with a return, you know, because they had that report on Sunday night during the game, Melissa Stark saying, uh, "Well, he plans to be back." In mid-December, mid-December, well, he wanted to set the record straight. As far as what I talked to Melissa Stark about, I never said anything definitive. She talked about in a conversation with my amazing doctor, if it would be insane to try and come back in three months. And he responded about the fact that when you bring together a specific type of surgery with a specific patient with the specific amount of stubbornness and desire to get back on the field and obviously playing quarterback, then there's a possibility. But nothing's changed as far as my timeline. It's we got to be in the mix. And I got to be healthy, and I definitely still want to come back. And as I said yesterday, you know, all this talk about him coming back, like, that's great. It really and truly is. But I don't think it necessarily helps these guys right now that are out there trying to win games. Right? You can't just be looking five games down the road or however long it's going to be about this guy riding in and trying to save your season because there may not be anything to save at that point. Don't worry about mid-December. Worry about mid-November. And going out there and trying to beat Buffalo. And trying to score a touchdown. Because Aaron Rodgers ain't going to help you score a touchdown on Sunday. It's got to be the guys that are in that locker room and that are in that huddle. All that talk about down the road, I, I, I honestly think at times it could be counterproductive. Worry about the now. You know, all these players, all these coaches, like they don't want to, they don't want to fall into the trap. And they talk about focusing on the present. You hear it, right? It's like a cliche. Got to go 1-0 this week. That's, that's our only goal. We're trying to go 1-0 this week. We'll try to go 1-0 this week. 
And don't worry about who might be around in a month from now if indeed he could find out that you might be able to win some games. Let's go to the phones. Say hi to Dale in Queens. He's going to start us off, 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Dale. How are you? Good night. Good night, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Nice to hear from you. What's up, Dale? Um, hey, Dan, I want to ask you a question about the Jets' offense. Um, I think the problem, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, stems from um, basically, I don't know, like Zach Wilson is not acclimated to Hackett's system, and Hackett's trying to, like, I guess, bring it because he brought his own guys in with Aaron Rodgers, you know, the receivers like Lazard and Cobb. And I think they are acclimated to that system, and Zach doesn't have Aaron Rodgers' intangibles, you know, and like he, I guess there's a divide in the offensive philosophy between Salah and Hackett. I think the the fault is between Joe Douglas and, like, Aaron Rodgers trying to bring in their guys. and like, But I think Hackett's only using um, the guys. Well, 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 well Dale, here's, here's the thing, though, real quick. Because one thing you said there, if there is, you know, if, if they're not philosophically aligned, let's say the play caller and the head coach, number right. one, then that falls on the head coach. Because when Nathaniel Hackett was hired – Right. Right. Robert Sala told the world that he sat down and he interviewed 20 different candidates or thereabouts. And he believed everything that they were saying. He was all on board with the plan. Well, and at the end of the day, he's the head coach. Right. Right. I don't care who the play caller is. You are the head coach. The coordinator works for the coach. What you want to do, you get in his ear and say, no, stop throwing the ball. We're going to run it or vice versa. The coach has to take ownership. And I think that that's another divide too. Yeah, um, Salah might want to do one another thing like run the ball, and Hackett might assist him on um, doing plays and throwing that. Um, Zach Wilson's not as calculated to because, mind you, he's had now two offensive coordinators in his first three years, and that's kind of also I think that's where the divide comes from too. It but is. I, I mean, look, it, it's been a lot, and there's been some turnover, and that's why they're trying to stem this thing. And Dale, thanks a lot for the phone call. And look, you said something at the beginning which we've been harping on since September. And when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, is it, yeah, this system and everything that they have done as an organization was all geared towards Aaron Rodgers for months and months and months and months. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody thought that four plays into the season that he was going to go down. But Zach Wilson was here all offseason too, right? He was in the same meetings, same practice field. We're already how many months in? I mean... I don't think the system can be an excuse anymore. And if you go back and you look at the game on Sunday again, it's not it, it, that wasn't on Zach Wilson. Played okay. But the other guys around him got to step up. Ill-timed penalties. That's got nothing to do with a system. You know, you don't move until the ball is snapped. You don't hold when you're supposed to be blocking. You don't commit a block that's against the rules. That's got nothing to do with a system. That's discipline. That's going out there and making sure that you're not shooting yourself in the foot, the old self-inflicted wounds, and they're not good enough to overcome those mistakes. Ira's in Staten Island. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Ira. How are you? Dan, good evening. How are you? And before I get to the Jets stuff, I, I got to reset my statistical sheets now. I thought the Jets had eight penalties for 80-something yards, and now I heard my radio crew got a got – a, like, a personal foul penalty uh, in the pregame. Still to be determined. I, sorry. Mm. I, 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 well, sorry. Sorry, sorry. That's a ticket. But Still to be determined. Ira, Ira, I'm falling in line with everybody else, I guess, right? No, hopefully, well, hopefully not. But the possibility of nine penalties Saturday, Sunday night. But then they're all kidding aside. Um, forget the system. You know, they have to figure out a way to score. Maybe uh, good riddance with Carter. It didn't work out. Maybe the kid from Pittsburgh will add a little juice to this uh, lineup. But, you know, it's a funny thing. I had a little time, and I went back to the 2016 season. Because in 15, you know, they put up points with, right. with that day. Okay. Do you know since 2016 to, to present, as of now, they only had one season that they scored 20 points a game for the season? Every one of those seasons – they ranked. They scored between 15 and 18 points a game. That's almost impossible to do for a football franchise for the last seven years. You're absolutely. What what season was it? The last season, I think it was 2020. They averaged 20 points a game. Every other season since 2016, 
they average between 15 and 18 points a game. That's incredible because think about it, Ira. That 2020 team was by far their worst team during that stretch. They won two games. Yeah, now I, I may be getting it. May, maybe it was a 2019 team. I could be wrong with the year. I'd have to look it up again. But still, the time frame, seven years of football, and you only get one season of 20 points. In this NFL, didn't this NFL, you should be scoring between 27 and 30 points a game. Right now, I just looked it up as a matter of fact. There's 20 teams in the NFL that average 20 points a game. So that's two-thirds. Two-thirds of the sport averages at least 20 a game. And we're and the last three games we're averaging ten points a game. It, 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 whatever the problem is, there's just something so not right that they it, maybe they will figure it out this year. Maybe they won't. But they, they got they got to, it, it can't get worse. They're not going to end up finishing with five points a game. So it, to me, it's only going to get better these last uh, whatever eight nine games. But whatever it is, uh, this, when I when I saw that stat and those numbers, I, my my head was spinning. I knew it wasn't good. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, Ira, and look, it, it's got to change. And thanks a lot for the phone call because look, we've seen the defense play at a high level. You can't ask for anything more from this defense. And the only two teams in the NFL that scored less than the Jets do, the Patriots and the Giants. And those teams have two wins apiece. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That is the telephone number. Dan Gross's show. We're rolling till nine. Full Tuesday. Right here on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Give me the name of your show. Now back to Dan Grossa on ninety eight point seven ESPN. That is the name of the show. Hasn't changed. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. What a hunk. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Joan. Joan was her name, right, Harvey? Yeah, that was it. Haven't heard from her in a while. Grass the show. We roll on here. Remember, full show tonight till 9 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hope everybody's having a good old Tuesday. At Dan Grass at GRACA is where you can find me as well. Talking a little football. We'll get into some Giants coming up in a bit. But the Jets, the topic of conversation as they try to find out what has been ailing them offensively well you know what let's go to the guy who was supposed to be the quarterback and Aaron Rodgers what he said today on the McAfee show about the struggles of this offense it's tough because we're nine games in you know I think a lot of the issues that we're we're having are ones we've had for a lot of the season not being efficient in the red zone not being opportunistic on third down we're very low in both those categories this game we actually got in the end zone looked like twice Zach got in got called back he was out of bounds which was a millimeter call there and then we scored a rushing touchdown called back on a holding took points off the board had another reverse called back on a holding that was first down that put us in good position we had some other opportunities to score points I so it's a lot of the same things hurting us every week. But you don't get the ball in the end zone, you're not going to win many games. It doesn't matter who's playing defense for you. And our defense has been fantastic. But four field goals, six points previous week, 13 the previous week, and a win, not good enough. There's a lot of geniuses out there with ideas about how to fix the whole thing. But in actuality, very simple. If you watch the film, you could see where the issues lie. And there's plays to be made. There's opportunities that are out there. And we're just not getting it done. So that's the common refrain, right? Just to play away. One block away, one missed block away, right? Execution there. Hold it another. Got to go out there and do it. You know, nobody cares about all those excuses and what their job is to go out there and correct those mistakes. And nine games into the season, they haven't done a good enough job consistently doing that. Now, there's still time. And they're going into a place on Sunday, which... You know, I wouldn't say it's easy to go play in Buffalo, but for some reason the Jets match up well with this team. And Buffalo's got a lot of stuff that they are trying to figure out. We'll talk about them in a few minutes here. But I don't think it's an impossible task to go win this game on Sunday, but the issue is you got to be able to score. I know that I sound like a broken record, but you got to score. You can't go into a game expecting to win scoring 12 points on four field goals. I don't care who you're playing. 800-919-3776. Chris in Queens up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Chris. Hey, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just start right there. Um, you have to be able to score. There are so many things that happen right after the football is snapped or after the football is handed off or thrown. And uh, it just it bothers me that all this blame is going on Zach when there's so many things the quarterback just simply does not control. 
The quarterback is not going to always control a pre-snap penalty or a dropped pass or a fumble. And I think we all just need to realize that this offense is bad. It's not just Zach that's bad. Yeah, I, I think, Chris, look, I think that over time now, and thanks a lot for the phone call, I think that just blaming the quarterback was the convenient excuse. That's not the case anymore, right? Because there's others that have contributed to this, whether it's drop passes, pre-snap penalties, penalties after the fact. You know, it's just the execution is just poor. It's the bottom line. It's not all on the quarterback. You throw the, the quarterback puts the ball right in your hands and you drop the ball. Who's that on? Is that on the quarterback? What was he supposed to do, run over and hand it to you? Garrett Wilson, who opposing teams are keying on because they realize, hey, you stop Garrett Wilson, you might stop this Jets offense. What about the self-inflicted wounds? This was him earlier today on Barton Hahn. They're talking about pre-snap penalties, um, whether it's lining up wrong, a procedural or false start, offside, whatever it may be. And uh, it's shooting yourself in the foot, you know, not even giving yourself a chance um, in this league. Every yard is precious. It's truly a, a game of inches and and I, you know, that that's kind of just a little saying I threw to the side until you get to the league and you really realize, you know, this this really is a game of inches. And when you're doing stuff like that, you know, your your chances of, of winning drop exponentially. You know, we we put the ball on the ground too much the last two weeks. We've turned the ball over. So, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why we're not um, you know, playing the way we want to on offense. Um and you know, I think a lot of things, you know end up leading to uh, self-inflicted wounds, you know, things that that we got to fix during the practice week. Charger game, they turned the ball over three times, if I'm not mistaken, I think 14 points off the turnovers. And what was the final, 27-6? to six? Can't ask the defense to do anything more than that. Right, they fumble the ball, Chargers return it all the way down to, what, the two-yard line? What do you expect the defense to do there? You give up a punt return for a touchdown. That's not on the defense. Offense is not scoring points. What are they supposed to do? It's frustrating. And now the, the, the challenge of it is, is that you have to make sure you keep this room unified. You can't have the two sides sniping at each other. And I'm not saying that there's any evidence of that happening. But that's now on every guy in that locker room, the coaches, the entire building. Keep a unified front. Or else things are really going to spiral out of control. Let's say hi to uh, Charlie in Allendale. Charlie, you're up next here on 98.7. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for letting me on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can't express how frustrating I am with Douglas. I mean, when Rodgers goes down, this is the same thing I was watching last year with this offense. It, it, it's the same exact thing. It's inept. It doesn't move. Now, I, I can't even watch Zach Wilson anymore. I mean, I, we, we're not with every game. Oh, what's his fault? It's like... He's not a good quarterback. He's probably not a top 15 backup in the league. And we're not going to win on a consistent basis with him. But this is, we knew this last year. Mike White comes in before he gets hurt, 31 on the Bears, 27 on the Vikings. I mean, we have to look at the real problem. And if you don't have a quarterback that's not even top 15 backup, you're not going to win games. You're not going to be a good offense. You're going to have no continuity. He's not consistent enough. He'll make a nice play. He'll do a little bit, use his athletic ability, but he's not going to stand in the pocket. He's not going to hit the throw. He misses Lazard wide open before halftime because he's throwing his sidearm wide open. So, I mean, Douglas didn't address the problem, and he's to, to blame. It's him. Charlie, look, I, and I thank you very much for the phone call. I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you and say that they were all probably caught off guard. Look, in their wildest dreams – Nobody expected Zach Wilson to take the majority of the snaps on offense this year at quarterback. Nobody did. Player, fan, coach, front office, nobody. You thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be the guy. And then four plays into the season, a funny thing happened along the way. Now, it's a a double-edged sword here because, number one, you look at the marketplace for backup quarterbacks. And if you want to blame them and say, well, why weren't they more aggressive? Why didn't they have more of an insurance policy? Cover their tracks a little bit. Well, that's fine. But if you're a quarterback, like Charles just said, you know, a top 15 backup quarterback. And name whatever name you want in the league. 
But somebody who's got starting experience, all right, let's say somebody like a Jameis Winston, for example. I'm just throwing him out there. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, whatever. Guys like that who, who've started in the league, won games in the league, and probably deep down, if you got them alone in the coffee room and you asked them, you think you're good enough to start in this league? They're going to say, hell yeah, of course I am. So what quarterback that fits that mold, that is confident in his own abilities, was really going to consider the Jets as a legitimate destination when they knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to be the guy? Like, if you think you're going to play, or you want to play, rather, why would you go to a team where one of the three or four most indispensable quarterbacks in the NFL is manning that position on the depth chart? Then you're never going to get on the field. The only way you're getting on the field is with an injury. And say what you want about Mike White. All right? Now, you could say, should the Jets have made more of an effort to re-sign Mike White? Well, maybe. But Mike White got $4 million a year for the Miami Dolphins. And the Jets knew they had to upgrade the position, even higher than Mike White. And I think that we all agree, Aaron Rodgers' resume reads a hell of a lot more illustrious than Mike White's does. So even in the Mike White case, Mike White made A, a business decision to go down to Miami because they were paying him good money. And B, when you looked at it critically, where did you think you had a better chance to play? Backing up somebody like Aaron Rodgers, who I know that Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the team yet when Mike White made his decision, but... Everybody knew, and I'm sure Mike White knew, that the Jets were going big game hunting in the offseason. So, did you want to sit behind a guy like that, or were you going to sit behind a guy in Tua who, remember, going into the offseason, we didn't know what his football future was. He had all the concussion issues last year, and there was talk that maybe, just maybe, he would have to retire, or he wasn't going to have a long football career. So, yeah, if you're just playing the odds, you're thinking, where's my better chance to play? It's probably down backing up a guy like Tua. And plus, he's from there. So that's just the case with Mike White. But a lot of those situations, nobody's going to want to sit behind Aaron Rodgers because you're really not going to get a chance to play. And you can look at his age and everything, but as I keep saying, the guy took, he played every game, seven of the previous eight years before he came to the Jets. Seven out of eight years. That's a pretty big sample size. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of your phone calls. And how about the team that the Jets are getting ready to play on Sunday? They got their own issues to settle on offense. We'll talk about that coming up next as well. Grasso Show till 9, 98.7 ESPN. Good night, Dan. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> oh. I'm so confused right now. That was funny, actually. Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. I don't know how many of you were surprised when you woke up today and you saw that the Buffalo Bills decided to make a change of the offensive coordinator position after that debacle last night. Look, it's such a reactionary world that we live in, right? Because if you watch that game, and look, that was a disgraceful loss for Buffalo. And I was doing the Nick game last night, but I still had like one eye on the football game. But you could just get a sense like early on when they started turning the football over early. You're like, maybe this is going to be one of those weird nights. Just like a lot of these other games ended up being on Sunday across the NFL, right? When you give a team that's an underdog a little bit of a chance, you keep you keep that door pried open. Some of them are eventually going to knock it down. And that's what Denver did. And then despite the sloppiness all night long, they still had a chance to win the game. And they probably should have won the game. Because Will Lutz misses the game-winning field goal only to find out that the Bills had 12 guys on the field because they can't count. And then you give him a second chance. He moved the ball up five yards, and then right down the middle, Bills lose. And you know what the funny part about this? Not funny, but if you're Ken Dorsey, now the ex-offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, if the Bills have 11 guys on defense... When Will Lutz misses that field goal, Ken Dorsey probably is still the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills today as you and I are speaking right now. That was funny, actually. Well, it's not funny. I I mean, it's not funny. Tom, come on. Guy doesn't have a job anymore. I feel bad for him, too, because you know that, like, viral video of him, like, when he was in the booth from a game earlier this year? Was it last year when he was, like, destroying the booth in frustration? He was throwing, like, papers and slamming the desk and everything. Now that resurfaces again today after he gets the pink slip. 
But, no, but think about that. If they win the game last night, do you really think they're firing the offensive coordinator? No, they're not. But the Bills got issues. A 5-5 five and five team, and this is a team that's not, forget about winning the division, they might not even make the playoffs the way things are going right now. And what you're seeing with Buffalo, it's kind of gradually gotten to this point. You lose Brian Dayball, and that's had an effect on Josh Allen. And let's not forget, too, they lost Leslie Frazier, who was a pretty savvy defensive coordinator, too. A guy who was a head coach in this league. Losing those two guys, I think, has taken its toll because Sean McDermott is now the one who's running their defense, and he's supposed to be the head coach. Right? He's supposed to be the head coach. So is he spending way too much time on the defense and not enough time worrying about the rest of the team? And that is why I hate, and I understand that it's the norm. You see a lot of this stuff around the NFL. But I don't like when head coaches are so predominantly tied to one side of the football because they're almost glorified coordinators instead of head coaches. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I know some are successful at it. Some are really good at it. But I think as a whole, it's counterproductive. And I've been saying it since it happened also, Matt Milano getting injured in that game that they were playing in London, that is a huge, huge loss for that defense. It's not the same. He's the heart and soul of that defense. He's the guy who killed Mike White last year when the Jets went up to Buffalo. And missing him, that is a big void. Edmonds leaving in free agency in the offseason hurt that defense too. Tredavious White got hurt. The safeties are always injured, even though they're good. They're always banged up. They're always, you know, game-time decisions. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Stefan Diggs is unhappy. He's complaining and tweeting and all this stuff about, you know, he's not getting the ball enough and all these things and all these rumors. And let's face it, Josh Allen is a turnover machine. He is. 14 turnovers, that's by far the most in the NFL. So, yeah, Jets match up well against the Bills. They've turned Josh Allen over a bunch the last few times they've played him, including the three interceptions by Jordan Whitehead this year in week one on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, everything that's gone down, the Jets go up to Buffalo on Sunday. They probably have a chance to win that football game. Like, you actually feel good about the matchup. But then in the next breath, you'd be like, oh, that's right. They got to score a touchdown. Hmm. That's right. But it's the NFL. Who the hell knows? Right? Who knows what's going to happen? But nevertheless, the Jets somehow take care of business this week. You get back to 5-5, five and five, and that might start the Bills on some sort of a downward spiral they can't recover from. And then you take your chances with the Dolphins on Black Friday, and you see what happens. Kenny in Queens, up next here on 98.7. Kenny, how are you? Good, Dan. I love you, boy. You're, you're, the, you're the best. You're the best. I got about four or five points in a, in a couple questions. I'm going to try to get it through very quickly. Yeah. My, my nephew and uh, brother-in-law, big Bills fans, oh. they get mad at me when I call Josh Allen Uncle Tom. <laughs> Turnover machine. Oh, they get so mad at me. All right. Now, Michael Carter, that was the best thing the Jets could do because this guy, after the first year, he's been a bust. Who would think that the other Michael Carter would become such a valuable member of this team and he would be gone? That, that, that's, a, that's the second thing. Number three, CJ to tight end. Let's see Ruckert, okay? And, and there's two tight ends. The big guy they drafted, I know he's probably not ready. He's a rookie. But what happened to Kenny Aboa? I like that guy. He's great on special teams. And uh, what happened? He got injured, and I, I've never heard anything about him. Uh, please answer after I just finish one or two more points. Mm-hmm. Carl Lawson, did he even dress this week? I mean, he's Yeah, he he's played been, this week. He played this week. Oh, he did? Yeah. He did? Okay. And now, Dan, Izzy from Pitt. I fell in love with this guy during preseason. I think he's going to shine for us, just like uh, last year that kid running back. I, he escapes my mind Bam right Knight. now. Yeah, Bam Knight. I think this guy's going to shine for us. He is a tremendous running back. I love him. I hope he gets to play now. Cook, let him play behind Hall. Forget about Cook. Let him play behind Hall. Let us see what he has. And please let me know about what happened to Kenny Aboa. Yeah, Kenny's, I think he got banged up a little bit, Ken, and I thank you for the phone call. Um, I don't know if he's on IR or not, but, yeah, unfortunately, that's not an option for them right now. Um, 
Or did they release Kenny Yaboa? No, I don't think they released him. I still think he's on the roster. I think he's maybe just on um, IR right now. But we'll look into that for you. You would think that Izzy Abanaconda is going to get an opportunity to dress this week. You would think. You know, you take a running back out of the mix who dressed every week in Michael Carter and get Izzy up there. You know, one person out, one person in. That's how this thing works. Ruckert, my guy, should get more snaps. Look, I think that this offense, the way it's constructed right now, where you don't have maybe the glut of skill position players at, let's say, wide receiver that are dangerous game breakers, I say play some 13 personnel. Keep running that out there. And when I say 13 personnel, you get one back in the backfield, three tight ends, because it does twofold for you. Number one, you get an extra guy in there to block which might spring your running game a little bit. Also, maybe give the quarterback a few more seconds to look downfield and throw the football. Number two, those guys can catch the football as well. You know, they become targets in the offense. And with Brees Hall, I don't even know if they're using Brees Hall enough. Running game hasn't exactly fired on all cylinders the last few weeks because, you know what, they're having such a hard time throwing the ball. The teams are stacking the box, and that's the smart way to play the Jets. But even Brees Hall in the passing game, you see how dynamic he could be. Just throw him a quick screen, get the ball in his hands, and let him do his thing in space. It's paid dividends already this year. Matt's in South Carolina. He's up next. You're on 9870 ESPN. Hello, Matt. How are you? Hey, Dan. Shout out to the company. So, my bone with you, I got to pick uh, with you, Bart and Rex Ryan. You guys are putting Zach Wilson on a pedestal like there's no tomorrow. You, how? You guys, how? You, you guys... You guys don't find any faults in him. You're just like, oh, he threw That's this not true. Yes, That's not do. true. Matt, Matt, no. I, I'll let you finish. But, Matt, essentially after every game that the Jets you, either don't win or the offense doesn't perform, I come on and say it has to be better. The quarterback has to be better. So if I'm saying those things, how am I putting him on a pedestal? No, you say it has to be better, but you want it out of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson isn't doing it. Put in somebody else. You got Trevor Simeon in there. Play him. He's played before. We try something new. And Matt, let me ask like, you a question. Well, let me ask you a question, okay? Are you? Like, hey, we tried something new. It didn't work. We'll go back to Zach Wilson. Yeah, but Matt, just- Matt, here's the thing. It's not like a pair of underwear where you could say just try on a new pair. It doesn't work that way. Are you at practice every day? Do you see the way Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle are throwing the football? Yes or no? No. I'm not. Okay. And I, look, I'm not either. Okay, I'm not either. But I would like to think that the coaches who are at practice and the other guys there as well see it day in and day out. And if they felt that either one of those two guys could give them a better chance to win a football game than Zach Wilson, they would have made the move. Last year, they felt that with Mike White. Apparently, they don't feel that way with these other guys. But how does this organization not see it already? Like, there, there has been no improvement with Zach. But, Matt, what are their options right now? That's my point. Like, what do you want them to do? On November 14th, the only quarterbacks in the building are the guys that we just talked about. Zach gives them the best chance to win. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a lost Jets fan like you. I mean, it just something different. Matt, I look. You want you want to play no quarterback? You could go wildcat. You know, just give the snap the ball to Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook and let them do their thing. You know, just take the quarterback off the field. Want to call up Ronnie Brown and see what he's doing all these years later? If he's still got a couple of snaps in him, remember him, the old Dolphin running back when they did the wildcat? He was good at that. He can even throw the ball. Lefty. Look, four plays into the season. Their entire off-season's work went up in smoke. Now, you could sit here and say, well, then why didn't they pivot? Why didn't they go out there and trade for another quarterback? Why didn't they go out there and get some? Look, the Josh Dobbs name has been thrown out there and everything that he's done already this year. God bless Josh Dobbs. That's a a one-in-a-million situation in what he's been able to do for Minnesota. It really and truly is. And I don't find fault with him. I wish him the best of luck. But it's not like there was one team that swung and missed on Josh Dobbs, right? The guy's been on three teams in the past two years. If Tennessee thought that he was the answer to their problems, you think that they would have used the draft pick on Will Levis in the spring and not traded him to Arizona. 
If if Arizona thought that Josh Dobbs was 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 the answer to their problems, maybe they would have looked to move Kyler Murray even after signing him to that contract, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers, which was his original team, if the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, by the way, are one of the best-run organizations in all the sports, if they knew Josh Dobbs was going to be the answer to all of their prayers, they would have never let him walk out the door. Right? And that's the Steelers, who are supposedly beyond reproach. Here's what it comes down to, right? The Jets are already having a part ways with, what is it, a second-round pick next season because of the Aaron Rodgers trade? It's not going to be a one because he's not going to play 65% of the snaps. So they at least get a little bit of a break there. They're already down a second-round pick. Second-round picks are almost first-round picks, right? General managers, staffs, they cherish those things. So given the situation where, let's be realistic, quarterback has an Achilles tendon injury, those are usually season-ending. It happens four plays into the season. To a man, they're probably thinking all our hopes and dreams and everything that we built for, Super Bowl run this year, that's now out the window. But the guy that we have here in Zach Wilson, we think he's gotten better, and we think the pieces around him are good enough to where we can still have a respectable, decent season. Hell, maybe even chase a playoff spot. That's not the end of the world. And we're going to save our draft capital and put it towards next year when we get Aaron Rodgers back healthy and then make another run at this thing in 2024 like we were supposed to this past season. Again, I'm, ju- I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking for them. This is my own two cents. And I'm not saying it's right or saying it's wrong. But at least to me, that's probably what their line of thinking was. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll get into some baseball stuff, too. More of your phone calls. Mets got a new manager. Brian Cashman apparently wants to work someplace else. At least that's what his actions tell you. Grasso Show till 9, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. But I got to tell you something, because you know what? Well, you know what? I'll save that. Harvey, you want me to do this read now? You want me to do it later during the uh, one of the breaks or whatever? No, go ahead with it. Do it now? Do it. All right, we'll do it now because you know what? I don't know if you've been outside lately, but the weather's getting colder, right? And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. That's how you spell it. And kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, you got to be 21 and over and physically present in New York. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-3. Six, nine. Get that out of the way. We'll get back to the calls in just a second here on the football, but I got to get into this Yankees stuff. And really, the tact used by Brian Cashman over the last, I would say, what, week? A little more, maybe? GM meetings out there in Arizona. And now this back and forth throwing Giancarlo Stanton under the bus in the media. And a lot of people are kind of like shocked by this. Like, how could he do this? Like, what? what is the, why is he saying these things? Why is Brian Cashman being so critical of everyone? Why is he, you know, using language that would be bleeped off television or off the radio? You know, we have the dump button. But I think more and more about it. I'm like, well, wait a sec. We're talking about an executive for the New York Yankees that might be having an eye on someplace else that might not necessarily be happy in his current employment, might be looking to branch out work-wise. And it's not unheard of. We've seen this before with this organization. You remember this? Front office moron. <laughs> the triumphs mean nothing. This is George. Stands up. I stand in the reprisal. 
Like, you might see Brian Cashman driving one of the World Series trophies attached to the back of his car through the parking lot out there in the Bronx. Like, he might pull a Costanza. I think that's next. Is he trying to get axed? I, I, I honestly don't know what he's doing. You know, we talked about and discussed all the things that he was spewing out last week and the colorful language he was using in the GM meetings, and that's all well and good. But now, like the thing with Stanton, which is, look, I understand you want to take shots at Giancarlo Stanton, and I can't necessarily even fault him for saying these things because what is he saying that's inaccurate? Isn't he right? Right? I mean, we've seen Stanton here for how many years? And if Brian Cashman is going to tell the world, you know what? There's a better than good chance that Giancarlo Stanton is going to be injured? Duh. Right? So I can't really get on him for that. I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's not. He's going to wind up getting hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be a part of his game. Well, a couple of things. Number one. (laughs) who's the guy who brought him here, right? And that's where Brian has to take accountability for that one, right? After all, I mean, he's the guy who made the big swing for the fences trade, even though I didn't think that they needed him. And a lot of people didn't think that Giancarlo Stanton or the Yankees needed Giancarlo Stanton. He was a luxury. Fell into their lap because the Marlins were in cost-cutting mode, which seems to be a part of their history. Okay, so that's number one. Number two... It is a little bit refreshing because so often in sports, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, whether it's executives, like everybody is so cliched and buttoned up and we get on them for, oh, I wish they would be a little bit more honest and tell us what you really think. Well, you know what? Brian Cashman is telling you what he thinks, what we all think. And anybody who's watched the Yankees, what they think about this guy and that he's making way too much money talking about Stanton based on the production that the Yankees are getting in return. And it hasn't been enough. It hasn't been. I mean, he plays 100 games a year. And I know batting average doesn't matter, but the guy hit under 200 last season. Last two years, he's basically hit 200. And he hasn't done enough power-wise to necessarily warrant what the Yankees are having to cater to him for. And when I say cater to him, I'm not talking about special amenities and his favorite cupcakes in the clubhouse and all these. No, 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 no. What I mean is, is that the albatross that it is on their lineup first and foremost. Because you can't play him in the field, number one. Number two, even the spot in the batting order is a designated hitter. What if you want to get some other guys off their feet? And get them maybe a shot at DH just to keep their bat in the lineup. Well, you can't because you got Stanton there. Because it gives you virtually no flexibility whatsoever when it comes to playing the field. And look, I know that there was a time that Stanton said there and told everybody that he wanted to play the field more. He felt more engaged in the games. And I applauded him for that. But it's not working out. Not working out. All right, so you have that now. And naturally, it's not just going to go unnoticed. Because Stanton's agent, Joel Wolfe, decided to clap back today. And he said, quote, I read the context of the entire interview. I think it's a good reminder for all free agents considering signing in New York, both foreign and domestic, that to play for that team, you've got to be made of Teflon, both mentally and physically, because you can never let your guard down, even in the offseason. Now, why does he say both foreign and domestic? Well, because Joel Wolf happens to be the agent for Yamamoto. The Japanese pitcher who is probably the most coveted arm in free agency in all of baseball. And he's going to post soon. And whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Yankees, and whether it's one one of these other teams that need starting pitching, it's going to cost you a couple of bucks. So now you got the agent who's angry because you got Cashman throwing shade at Stanton. You think that Joel Wolf is going to advise Yamamoto to go to the Bronx? And not just that, any of his other clients? or maybe other prospective free agents that are looking at this and the way the general manager is. Because remember, even if it is the harsh truth, guys don't want to hear that anymore. Modern-day athletes, they want to be coddled as opposed to criticized. At least the majority of them do. The tough love approach does not fly in 2023. It doesn't. Because the first time that that happens... 
and they're caught in the line of fire, you know what they do? They go on social media. That's usually the first thing. It's like the, the subtle digs. They go on social media, and they're going to tweet something generally cryptic, right, to make you guess what they're insinuating and what they're getting at. They're not just going to come out and say, you know, like, for instance, if Stanton was a social media guy, and I don't know if he is or isn't, I, I, don't, I don't think he's that active on it, but if Stanton was, you know, he, he wouldn't just go on social media and say, Yo, that's some BS from Brian Cashman. How dare he? No, it's probably going to be something like, you know, he's going to post, you know, a picture of his MVP trophy from, what, like 100 years ago. And the number of, like, total home runs he's hit or something like that. And just, like, post that out there as a subtle reminder that, hey, I've done some things in this game. But that's not the way things are now. So I'm really, really curious to see what the fallout is with this and how it's received around Major League Baseball more than anything else. And apparently Hal Steinbrenner chimed in with the New York Post, the email Jill Sherman, talking about the behavior of his GM and said, quote, while I don't condone the cussing, I do like the passion. There are too many false narratives out there about our organization being pushed by uninformed and uninvolved people. It is, needless to say, frustrating and we know how much yankee fans love the general manager love the gm with all those world series trips over the last 15 20 years oh can't get enough of them you know what here's the bottom line you could say whatever the hell you want to say as long as you're winning but unfortunately the yankees are coming off of their worst season probably in three decades and if you want to start fights and if you want to put the onus on your shoulders and pick your battles in the media and all these things, that's all well and good. But if you don't win, and if you don't get this thing turned around next season, now you just set yourself up for even more criticism. And generally speaking, when you take on the fans and when you take on the media, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach or an executive or whoever, more often than not, that that is not a battle that you can win. 800-919-3776, your calls. And we'll meet the new Met manager as well. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Tomorrow we only have one of those half-hour Fugazi things because we got a Knicks game. Thursday, it's not only a full show. Harvey, did you know this? It's full show plus overtime. You got like a three-hour show. Oh, how about that? Bonus radio on a Thursday. So that's a chance we're going to get to reconvene again two nights from now. So we're going because we have an Islanders game that night, right? The Islanders are out west. Yep. So we go till 930 on Wednesday. Oh, my. I don't even know how we're going to fill three hours. That is going to be huge. So a lot of us time this week, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. We got the Toledo Bowling Green game on in the studio among you know, our many TVs. And they got Oral Hershiser in the booth, like the Oral Hershiser, the baseball player, right? And he was being honored, like, on the field, I guess, before the game or whatever. And I'm like, why? And Harvey says he's the in the Bowling Green Hall of Fame. I said, really? I like where this is going. Really? Because I never knew he went to Bowling Green. Like, my whole life, I never bothered to research it either. Like, I thought that he went to Georgia. Because his nickname when he played was the Bulldog. And I thought they called him the Bulldog because he went to Georgia. Georgia Bulldogs. It's not funny. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate, honest, if you want to call it a mistake. I'm so confused right now. So, yeah, I was surprised. Because I've never seen, like, Oral Hershiser, and he's been pretty visible for the last, what, four decades. Whether it's in, you know, his playing career, in, in media, whatever. I've never seen him with anything Bowling Green related. Apparently, this is, this is a rivalry game. It's called the Battle of I-75. Yeah. These are this is Maction, baby. I'm a big Maction guy. If you if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that Toledo was the only team in the Mac because that's the only team they showcase like every Tuesday. Toledo, Ohio, Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Bowling Green, NIU. You want me to keep going? This is great, great games, great games. And they get their own night, like Tuesday, Wednesday nights, like in November. Like the MAC conference gets a chance to shine. They they put them on the ESPN networks, and they get their own kind of 
little festivities. The only problem is it's like so damn cold in that part of the country this time of year. Like you see right there, these people are freezing. And all the stadiums have like metal bleachers. You couldn't pay me enough to sit out there. I don't care if it was like a blood relative that was playing in the game. I would not sit out there on those things. Not in a million years. But it looks like those people are having fun. Let's say hi to Artie. He's in Brooklyn. He's up next. Hello, Art. How are you? What's going on, Dad? Artie. So, um, I'm going to the game uh, with the with the fish, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, who is going to be the starting quarterback? And I'm looking at it in two ways. Mm-hmm. If they beat Buffalo, mm-hmm. I don't even care if he throws. I mean, all right, if he throws over 300 yards, I mean, you got to start him. But if he goes for the 250 and they lose, I really would rather see, not because – I don't think they could win with Zach. I just can't take the fans like he's the whipping boy. And I, and my opinion of this is that if he doesn't start against the fish, right? We don't see Zach anymore. Does Rogers have a say on, on Zach also? No, because it doesn't make any sense. No, 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 no. I mean, and and look, Rogers, he's not around the team and not that even if he was here, he's not going to tell them who to play and who not to play, because if that was the case, Randall Cobb would be playing every week. Remember, Randall Cobb is a healthy scratch. Him and Aaron Rodgers are like brothers. Right. I didn't realize he was a healthy scratch. Oh, yeah. Well, you haven't seen him. I mean, sure as hell hasn't been catching passes, right, Art? Yeah, but so. All right. So we bring him over here. Hardman is no good. Cobb is a, is a healthy scratch, and we're complaining that Zach's, you know, terrible. But look at look what he's straight on the Gibson and Taylor. Right. I mean, come on. Right? I mean, and then Lazaro. And then you look at the stats, and Lazaro is, is like one of the top three wide receivers in drops. I mean, it, it's how are the fans not seeing this? All right. I, I mean, the only way they could do it is if they put Simeon or uh, Boyle in there, and then they could see that. Zach is really their best chance to win. Yeah, and and you yeah. know what? If you do that, then you're at the point of no return, Art. And I thank you for the phone call because Zach was basically like a yo-yo last year, right? In, out, in, out, in, out, just swinging him back and forth. And he came back from it. But he wasn't supposed to play this year. Now he's playing. If they benched him now, like I said, I don't know if you do recover from that. And you could be the most... The, the most consummate team professional guy in that locker room. How many body blows can somebody take, though, in that situation? And I got news for you. All right? If you look, if you look at this roster up and down and the way these guys have been playing right now, the ones that are still out there, how much of a difference realistically would Aaron Rodgers even make? They're 4-5 and five right now. If Aaron Rodgers was here, you're telling me this team would be 7-2? and two? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Because you don't have enough guys on this team that are pulling their weight. And there's only so much the quarterback can do. All right, final hour. Coming up, 800-919-3776. You'll hear from the new Mets manager. We got some Knicks items we got to discuss. Plus your phone calls. Dan Grosser Show till 9. Then we hand it off to Larry and Gordon right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>